Today's episode of Unseen is sponsored by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is the original fan-powered subscription box. They partner with entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates. You can choose from a ton of different options for your crates, from specific franchises like Marvel to general themes like anime, gaming, sci-fi, and more. We here at Team Unseen really appreciate that Loot Crate is also a company run by fans. They work directly with creators and licensed partners to make new products that fans will be stoked to see. And they celebrate the unforgettable characters and iconic moments that made us all fans in the first place. They also offer local shipping in a ton of different countries. So if you usually can't get stuff like this because you live outside the US, definitely check Loot Crate out. And you can click the link in the episode description and use the code UNSEEN for 15% off your first order. That's code UNSEEN for 15% off at LootCrate.com. Just click the link in the description to get started. Unseen is also sponsored this week by Stellar Firma, a weekly science fiction comedy podcast from our friends at Rusty Quill. The show follows the misadventures of Stellar Firma Limited's highest-born but lowest-achieving planetary designer Trexel Geistman and his bewildered clone assistant David Seven. If you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Red Dwarf, or <clears throat> another science fiction podcast that's just a step above Wolf 358 and a tick below Wolf 360, then we think you'll absolutely love checking out this hilarious, semi-improvised space opera. You can join Trexel and David Seven each week as they attempt to take listener submissions and craft them into planets. The show is currently in the middle of season two, and so now is a great time to hop on board. Just be warned, space stations, AIs, plenty of absurdity, and a malevolent board await you. Search for Stellar Firma wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit RustyQuill.com or StellarFirma.com for more information. The following episode contains discussions of fantasy violence and abusive relationships. Listener discretion is advised. You know about magic, right? Or at least you think you do. They say that magic comes down to two things, where you're looking and what you're seeing. You've heard people say that, right? It's just a trick of the light. It's all done with mirrors. Well, the people who say that are right, just not for the reasons they think they are. There are three kinds of magic in the world. The first is the kind that fools your eyes. You follow the right hand one way, while the left one sneaks off in the other direction. The box has a hidden compartment, the hat's bigger than it looks. You blink and, just for a moment, the world looks different than the way it actually is. You can find this kind of magic at, say, a child's birthday party, or in the performance of a mediocre street magician. It isn't really magic, of course. Just the shadow of the shadow of magic. The second kind of magic is the sort that doesn't fool your seeing eyes, but rather your mind's eye. 
It doesn't care what you look at, just what you see. It's the magic of an idea, of perspective, of someone saying, you're not looking at it the right way. Let me explain. It's the magic of lawyers and liars and very good teachers. Except, this isn't magic either. It's just a different kind of trick for a different set of eyes. Ah, but you knew that already, didn't you? You know there's no such thing as magic. Unless, of course, you really know where to look. Because there are things out there that can go a lot deeper than your eyes and your mind. That can go all the way down to the deepest part of yourself, to the part that's past conscious thought, to the part of you that just knows, deep down, what it's looking at. And those things can lie to you. And if they do it the right way, that deepest, truest part of yourself is going to believe the lie. And the magic of belief is a very dangerous thing. But here's the trick. Where do those things come from? And how do they end up in your head? You know about magic, or you think you do, but do you ever get this feeling like there's more to life than what you know? Like there has to be more out there, somewhere, waiting for you to find it? There has to be more, right? Where did that come from? How did that get into your head? What happens when your thoughts are not your own. So you see, there is more. There's more magic running underneath the unseen world than anyone realizes. You just need to watch closely. You have to try not to blink. Because if you search long enough, you'll find it. The kind of magic that can change everything. And everyone. Long Story Short Productions presents Unseen Episode 10 Blink by Sarah Shackett So, you're here because you want to learn about magic, aren't you? Uh, No, don't bother answering, it's obvious. Look at how you're dressed, where you are. First you're at the Aletheia Academy and just raring to start rearranging the cosmos. Grierson's going a little slow for you, maybe? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm perfectly happy to offer you something. A reward, let's call it 
for being as clever and curious as you are. Here, this is all you need to understand magic. Consider this coin. It's made out of silver, it's round, it has the face of some dead great man no one cares about anymore on one side of it. Do you see it? Have you got it? Good. I'm going to let go of it in a moment. When I do, you're going to believe that it will stay in midair. It's not going to fall, it's not going to rise, it's not going to do anything. It will just be. How hard can you believe that? With how much of yourself? Can you believe with more than your mind? Can you make your heart believe it? Your spleen, your joints and your bones and your eyelashes all the way down to your toes? Can you believe so hard that your body itself won't be able to contain it? That the belief will spill out of you into the air? Like a bubble growing out of you. Can you make the bubble big enough that it will reach the coin in my hands? Oh, it's not for everyone, you know. It costs you something to believe that hard. Are you willing to pay the toll? Let's find out. Three, two, one. Hmm. Very good. Well done. That's the path of persuasion. You see something. You know it. You understand it. And if you can understand it, you can command it. If you understand something, you can make it do anything. At least until you blink. Until something breaks your concentration. The bubble bursts. Ugh, it's a wriggly thing, belief. Very hard to hold on to. It's why so many of the best magicians train themselves to believe with their subconscious mind. It makes the impossible a little less... fleeting. There. Two insights into the nature of magic for the price of one. Run along now. Go on. Goodbye. Really? Really? You're a little smarter, a little wiser. Isn't that enough? <sighs> All right. That's fine. Just, it's not too late. You could just leave. No one ever needs to know that our paths ever crossed. It would be our little secret. <sighs> no. Uh, I suppose not. You really want to do this. All right, then. Let's do this. What do you want? Uh, knowledge, of course. But what kind? If you wanted history, you'd be at the library. If you wanted a spell, you'd be talking to one of your professors. But no. You're standing in the tallest tower of the East Wing. The one that's expressly off-limits. The forbidden one. And the one with all the stories. All the fascinating rumors. Ooh, ooh, don't ever go up there. It's haunted by the ghost of a very mean old lady. And if you bother her, she'll turn you inside out and grind your soul to make her bread. I would never. Soul bread tastes horrible. But that's not all they say, of course. They say this tower is haunted by a clever ghost. 
They say this ghost knows things, old things, that Grierson and Lanvere and the rest of those old gas bags don't want you to know. Secret things. And if you ask, very nicely, maybe she'll teach you one of those dangerous, secret things. So, what dark secret are you after? There's all the obvious ones. Ways to cheat, ways to steal, ways to end a life. No, no, that's not it. That's all too... Uh, lightweight for you. No, you want something durable. Something that lasts. You... Ah. You want a curse. <laughs> Oh, good for you. It's good to see that there's still young people in the world who want to hurt someone like they mean it. I like that. I like someone that's willing to go the extra mile. After all, there's a thousand ways you can tell someone, don't mess with me. But when it comes to making sure everyone knows better than to cross you, <sighs> accept no substitutes. And you're in luck. There aren't many of us left who can tell you about curses. Even I'm... Not all I used to be. I paid the toll, I suppose. They say I'm a ghost. An echo of who I used to be. I don't know about all of that. All I know is I'm... Still here. I'm still here. So, curses. How to cast them, how to make them last. Mm, I suppose I have to start at the beginning. Which means I have to tell you about him. The Watcher. Not his real name, of course. Nobody remembers what it was, so we're left with the melodramatic little sobriquet he made up for himself. He was a magician... Called lightning from the sky, walked on water, commanded the winds, the works, and he went all over the world having swashbuckling magical adventures. He stole the sword of Dom Daniel, found the path into the lands of mist, parted a sea or two, that sort of thing. He's clever. He's handsome. He's powerful. And he knows it. <laughs> and he loves trouble. He loves it. Most men who need a hobby take up golf. His hobby was angering very dangerous people and then getting the best of them. His most famous escapade was going up against some sky pirate warlord or other. At a certain point, he's captured, he has all his possessions taken away from him, and he's left to rot in a prison cell. But it wasn't just any prison. Oh no, no ordinary cell for the Watcher. He needed his Chateau d'If, and the people he'd annoyed were more than happy to provide. They built a prison just for him, made out of strange, rare metals, materials no one knew, melted and fused together into a shifting, burnt alloy. The sort of thing that's very difficult to know, let alone understand. 
and you can't command what you don't understand. That was the problem the Watcher found himself in. Trapped, powerless, helpless in a wizard-proof cell. God, he must have been thrilled. But, thrilled or not, every day the Watcher stared at the walls of his cell. And he thought long and hard. Until one day, the guard went up to bring him the day's bowl of gruel. But when they opened up the cell door, the watcher was gone, vanished into thin air. They searched every inch of that supposedly magic-proof cell, but there was nothing to see. So, how did he do that? Well, imagine the watcher, alone with nothing he can use to escape, until he remembers. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it isn't there. He's still got air, and he has light, neither of which are easy things to master. It would take even a brilliant man a long while to grasp their nature. Of course, a nice long while is what the Watcher had. So he sat there, day after day, staring at the air around him, at the light in the room. For hours, he just looks at them and wills them to accept an idea from his mind. A simple idea. I'm not here. <laughs> Magic is just a trick of the light. Well, in this case, the old saying was true. A magic spell cast slowly over and over again until a hundred million particles of light bent and refracted and passed right through him until the very space he was in believed the lie. He's not there. You know what we call that in the unseen world? A hole in one. True invisibility. It was his most famous trick. And so, off goes the Watcher, safe and sound. For about a week. Then he got mixed up in some bad business with the daughter of a fae king, ended up chasing some rumors of banshees in South America, and so on and so on. He's young. He's handsome. He's powerful. And he knows it. So, he acts like it. To have a shred of their confidence, huh? These little boys who are so convinced that they are capital G great that they'll change the world forever because, well, how could they not? In any case, our man, the Watcher, goes gallivanting around as the world's greatest magician. But it's not quite what he thought it would be. I mean, sure, magic is... 
Well, it's nice, isn't it? You can create fire or part the sea or move a mountain. Any lie can be made into truth if you just believe in it hard enough. But sooner or later, the bubble bursts. It's the same problem you had. You look away, you blink, and just like that, things go back to the way they were, as if you were never there. And the world carries on with barely a feather ruffled. Ugh. And the watcher, he hated that. He thought to himself, what good is all the power in the world if you can't change the world for good? What good is a thought if you can't make it stick? He wanted magic that lasts. And he knows it's possible. The call wasn't always there. Someone or something made it a long time ago. Not even I know where it came from. That's how old it is. But it's still here. And it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Magic keeps its own secret now, so it can be done. In theory. But he's got a problem. A problem of perspective. He's made himself too big, too powerful. He's above it all. He's got no equal, which means he has no peer, which means he can only think the thoughts that are already in his head. And then, along comes a spider. You've walked into a fair share of parties in your time, haven't you? So you know what it's like when you open a door and immediately feel out of your depth. You know what it's like to know to the very bottom of your being that no one around you is going to notice you. That it doesn't even matter if you're visible or not. Either way, you're ignored. You might as well not even be there. That's the way the girl felt that night she met the Watcher. The night he said something to her she never forgot. What? Oh, who knows where the girl came from? That's besides the point. The point is, she was no one. Or so she thought of herself as no one, which for this story is what matters. <sighs> A funny thing happens when two people who, who feel like they're all alone in the world find each other. They recognize a certain quality in one another. A hunger. When two beings without reflection see each other, well, that's a little bit of a reflection in and of itself, isn't it? You see the other person and you think, ah, oh, thank God, it's you. But that's not what's really making you happy, of course. You're really thinking, oh, Thank God, it's me. He took her under his wing, taught her persuasion, hermetics, 
augury, all of it. Made perfect sense from his perspective. If you really want to understand something, you teach. He got better, he got new ideas, ones he'd have never had on his own, because she could see the world exactly as he did and reflect it back to him. Magic. It's all done with mirrors. Of course, he isn't just teaching her. No one ever is. Every day he's pushing her, correcting her. No, don't do that. Do this. Don't think that. Think this. Don't be like that. Be like me. And it's easy, isn't it? After all, she's no one. And he is great. Why shouldn't he make her like he is? But just because you can't see something doesn't mean it isn't there. Everyone is always someone. He was pushing her to let go, and it surprised her how much it hurt. But she let go. And she thought, it's worth it. I love this. I love him. Please, God. Let him love me. You don't even need to be that smart to guess how the story ends. He left, of course. For a long time, I thought it was because I'd gone as far as I could, that he'd outgrown the reflection of himself he saw in me. But now I think, maybe he just got tired of looking at it. But when you make yourself a reflection of someone else, and suddenly you don't have them anymore you find yourself with some new questions. Strange questions you wouldn't ask yourself, except they're in your head now, because they put them there. Did you think he'd stay with you forever? Did you think you were the first person he went through this with? Why did you think you'd be the last And you can't go back, not to who you were before. You spent too much time making yourself his shadow, and now you can't stop. So, you start thinking about magic. Magic that lasts. Magic that doesn't go away when you blink. The kind of magic that the old stories had a name for. Curses. The old curses, the kind archaeologists sometimes find scrawled on some abandoned Roman tile. They're visceral things. They don't just curse you. They curse your liver, your lungs, your tongue, your words, your thoughts, your memory. They aren't spells woven from rage or even pain, although those do help. But a curse is an act of obsession. To make it land... You have to think unimaginably hard and long about this subject. You have to think of them in everything that you do, in everything that you are, from your breath to the dirt under your nails. You have to be willing to hurt them over and over again, more than you want to be free. 
more than you want to be alive. If you're just after a little payback, a curse isn't what you're looking for. What it does is beyond vengeance. It's how you make someone understand, hey, you are going to pay a cost for being where you are. You are going to remember that I am still here. I am here. So, how do you do that? Or more to the point, how did I do that? It took time and planning, a lot of work. It took years of digging through the dust of lost kingdoms. But in the end, I found a way to make something stick. He could have too, if he'd only stopped long enough to realize it. He'd all the pieces of the puzzle. He just didn't let himself see how they fit together. But like I said, perspective. He eventually decided that he needed to go even bigger. He needed to pull off such a fabulous feat of magic that its effect would ripple outwards and become permanent. If he was good enough and daring enough and clever enough, and if he just swept the world off its feet enough, he'd make it. He'd be one of the greats. He would change the world. And so he decided that the thing to do was to go knocking on a dragon's door. As one does. I don't know what it is about men and dragons, but they never ever learn, do they? He could do almost anything at that point. I suppose it's a little like a mountain. God wouldn't have put it there if he didn't want you to climb it, right? Uh, dragons. Well, they make themselves hard to find for a reason. They despise visitors. It tends to go poorly for anyone who seeks them out, even the more sociable amongst their kind. They have a reputation to keep. Not that someone like the Watcher would ever think that would be a problem. Not for someone who could wrap the world around his little finger. And especially not for someone who, well, if things start to go pear-shaped, can always disappear. And of course it goes poorly. Because how could it not? It's a dragon. You don't reason with it. You don't negotiate with it. You very nicely and very quickly get out of its way. What is the power to rearrange a bit of reality compared to the fire in the sky? <sighs> so, when he proposes whatever he wants to whichever Lady Sarkana it happens to be and gets told for the first time in his life with any real force, no, the Watcher does what he does best. He hides. In the work of a moment, he makes himself impossible to find, spins that fabulous little trick of his, persuades the very air and light around him to believe his lie. I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not there. And sure enough, he fades into thin air. Just the way I'd been waiting for him to do. See, I knew his magic. I knew it better than anyone. And it's like I said, if you understand something, you can command it. 
Now, it would be one thing for me to try to do this by myself, to work my will on the air and the light, to inch by inch through his hands and his joints and his veins and his heart make him vanish. Oh, don't get me wrong. I had the power to do it. I had the power to make him just disappear. But sooner or later, I'd blink. I'd flinch. And he, infuriating man, would come right back. So, what to do, what to do? Ah, but I found a solution to that too. The same thing that he did with me, really, all those years ago. Just on a larger scale, I outsourced. After all, an idea can change the world, if it's repeated enough times. It's not hard to create belief. It's quite simple, actually. You just need a thought. A little phrase that can run through a million minds every day. Say, a question. Something that'll be repeated over and over again. And each time someone says it, it's a little whisper to the universe. A reminder. He's not there. He's not there. He's not there. Over and over again, every day, all over the world, magicians think this thought, and they keep my curse going for me. They keep the watcher trapped in a state of complete invisibility. And as long as someone is having my thought, he'll stay unseen. Forever. Well, at least in theory, I suppose it might be possible for him to break the curse. Oh yes, he's still out there, somewhere. And he could manage it, he could come back, one last hole in one. All he'd have to do would be, well, to change, to become someone else. But I doubt he'll ever manage it. He won't ever let go, I don't think. Not of his name, not of his big, shiny destiny to be one of the greats, not of his silly little catchphrase that he used all the time. All. The. Time. No matter what he did, it was always the same four words. Of course, there was a price to be paid. When you act upon the universe, it acts upon you right back. Changing the world left me in a somewhat diminished state. My physical form never sticks around for too long. Part of the reason why I... Well, let's just say I don't go out much. Life's funny. You think you're going to change the world because you're so unique and so special. But take it from someone who's been around for a while. You're nowhere near as special as you think you are. Everything you do just feels new because it's coming from you. You think you're going to find a way to rise above it. Of course you do. Everyone does. You're going to be special. You're going to be one of a kind. And you're going to change the world. 
But then, out of nowhere, it just crosses your mind. A thought, or not just a thought, a command. An obsession that, just for a second, takes hold of your mind. You think something that isn't yours at all. It's his. And it's mine. The first words he ever said to me. And the last thing I ever said to him. Are you watching closely? That's the secret of curses. There is always a part of us that belongs to others. Understand the part of you that isn't yours, master it, and you can control it. You just can't ever let it go. And it never lets go of you. Well, this was fun. I hope for you also, now that you know some things that a crazy old ghost lady told you. But that does bring up an interesting point. Namely, what am I going to do about you? Oh, you didn't think you'd get to just waltz out of here with all my secrets? That there would be no consequences? Hmm. Oh, dear. Probably you did. No, no. (sighs) See, that's the problem with children. You teach them just a little bit of magic, and suddenly they think they can do anything. I also have a reputation to uphold, and it's important to reinforce it. It's important to find creative ways of saying, Stay the hell out of my tower! Don't worry, it'll be fast. You'll just blink. And when you do, you're not going to be here anymore. Easy as that. So... Are you watching closely? You're not here. You're not here. You're not here. Are you? Three, two, one, blink. This has been Unseen by Long Story Short Productions. Based on an original idea by Gabrielle Urbina, with additional conceptual design work by Sarah Shackett. Today's episode was written by Sarah Shackett 
and directed by Gabrielle Urbina, with script editing by David K. Barnes. It starred Julia Morizawa. Original music by Alan Rohde and sound design by Zach Valenti. Unseen is produced by Sarah Shackett, Zach Valenti, and Gabrielle Urbina, along with Angel Acevedo, Jen Schneider, and Amy Tanguay. For more information on the Unseen world, please visit unseen.show. Thank you for listening. You're still listening. You rock. Hey, Unseen producer Zach Valenti here with a quick ask. First, if you love the show, we'd love to know. Please take a moment while it's still fresh to rate and review the show wherever you listen. In particular, Apple Podcast. Second, we decided to make this series to bring a little magic into a world we felt could really use some. Please share this episode with someone or someones who brings magic to your life. You can tell them there's a message for them at the end of the episode. <clears throat> On behalf of whoever brought you here, I hope you know I only recommend this show to the awesomest people in my life. That's you, baby. Just saying. <clears throat> I also wanted to shout out all 1,162 of our Kickstarter backers who made this show possible. If you weren't a backer but would like to support the show retroactively, please visit unseen.show support. If you ever want to say hi, the show is on Twitter at unseen.show. Thank you so much to everyone who shared their kind words and incredible fan art. All right, that's all for now. We'll be back on December 25th with our Unseen Christmas special, Chimes at Midnight. <laughs>